Hello, and welcome to Safety Dads, where a million things can go wrong, and our podcast is one of them. Enjoy. Thank you for joining us at Safety Dads. With me is Mark Cooper. What's up, everybody? Steve Gray. Hey, everyone. And I'm Michael Payne. Now, at Safety Dads, we like to think that if you like beer, sharing stories, sports, and god-awful dad jokes, then you're going to be in a very good place. Welcome to Safety Dads. You're safe with us. Room, room. What's up, everybody? This is the first episode of Safety Dads, and on today's podcast, we have Mr. Cam McQueen. Most of you know him as a monster truck champion at the helm of the Northern Nightmare, but as a Safety Dads, we dug a little deeper, and we can tell you that this guy is one cool mother trucker. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Cam McQueen, welcome. How are you doing, buddy? Oh, man. How could I be any better? Look at this place. Yeah, so tell me about Dad's Bar. I want to know what your first impression is, because you are literally the first guest here on the show, and I'd love to know what your uh, your take is on the digs. Well, I feel like I should have been here before, but I I feel like I haven't. But I'm at home. It's everything's familiar, like the water stains on the ceiling, <laughs> uh, you know, the mossy mirrored glass, a uh, picture of Omi and Opie back there. Yeah, but <laughs> the the classic Irish mugs. It's uh, and the carpet. I mean, if you come in here with socks on, you're doing it wrong. Because the carpet in this place is so plush, I feel like you could do anything you wanted on this carpet. Or you're getting, no, for, or you're getting electrocuted. Yeah, for those of you who are more visual, it's a, it's a plush red shag carpet. I don't know. Is this shag, though? It's very plush, but I don't know what it yeah, be considered Yeah, you might be right. It's, like, you, can't, yeah, you don't shag. rake this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't rake. It. A shag carpet you could rake, but this, you're not raking. You're right. Um, just a heavy, heavy brush vacuum, maybe. <laughs> Possibly. Right. Yeah, we would shop vac it from time bristle. to time. A thick bristle. <laughs> Thick bristle. Thick bristle brush. Uh, buddy, welcome. This is, uh, it's awesome to have you here. Um, is it safe to say that you are the most successful Canadian when it comes to monster truck driving? Oh, boy. Is that, I, I mean, you know, you can, I, listen, you have stroked your ego in front of me plenty of times. So you on. can do it right here on the podcast. I have no problem. No problem with that. Well, like, what do you think? I, I feel like we're safe down here in the, in the knob. Um, safety dads can we call it that safety dads in the knob safety dads in the knob bro (laughs) i feel safe here i feel like i can just speak out about whatever um i don't pat myself on the back but um there's not a lot of competition so yes i would be the most successful canadian monster truck driver that i know that's wicked bro like i mean mike and i have both you know we've obviously done the research and you know some really awesome accolades and i think that you know number one not many people really know a monster truck driver Period. Which I think would be safe to say, Mike, would you say? Is that I think safe? the world would be better if we all knew monster truck drivers. I think it's a pretty down-to-earth group for sure. Really? Because I put them in the same category as wrestlers. Oh, easy now. <laughs> yeah, easy I, think now. That, I think that might have been a low blow. But I, yeah. now, Cam, I did want to ask, though, because Mark was saying, you know, your accomplishments, especially from a Canadian, Canadian driver perspective, uh, I noticed that there are an awful lot of firsts on your, on your resume um you know you've got that patented move the first to try the backflip um so with all those first though candidly does being the first guest on this podcast rank up 
with those achievements? This is probably top 10, maybe even I'd go as far as top five moments of my life, to be honest. And to put it in perspective, I grew up in this neighborhood on the west side of Kelowna. Um, I know our guests are coming from all over the world right now. We're, uh, we're in how many countries? 150 right now? Five? How many well, it's it, it's 125 know. right okay. now. Sorry, I don't want to embellish. There, there's still some rights issues to work out. So are we, you asking me about geography? Because I know nothing about geography. <laughs> we did pick up a listener from Newfoundland today. So <laughs> There you go. So with, with all that uh, widespread interest in the show, um, I grew up just down the road. Literally, I owned a home two doors down from here back in the day and uh, grew up in this neighborhood. So to be part of this uh, groundbreaking podcast, it's, it's an honor, 100%. This is a, a first for me. I have done other podcasts, but nothing as close to home, figuratively and literally. Man, I think you hit it on the head. I think that's what we're trying to create here is just knowing people that will say the right things. So you did it, bud. You did it. You nailed it. Wow. And I'm really happy to have you on. And I think Mike could say the same thing, right? Oh, I'm, I'm thrilled. I mean, to, to be able to launch with uh, with something like this is fantastic. We um, are grateful that, that you're here. And we did, uh, you know, less about us, more about you. Uh, know that you started in Tough Trucks. So now, correct me if I'm wrong, Tough Trucks is essentially that you go head to head with somebody and you you're do you have to pay to enter uh yes you do actually so yeah let's let's break down tough trucks uh basically that was my shoe in the door for monster trucks uh what i do now, now and, did, sorry I, not to cut you off there but do you grow up thinking i want to be a monster truck driver because i mean absolutely. that's pretty cool right yeah but i think most like for able to, to keep that dream alive and actually achieve it is something special and you know what, 100% in answer to your question, that is, and I, I tell this to the kids and adults, whoever comes to the show, from the first time I set eyes on a Monster Jam truck, and I looked at my dad, I was probably seven years old, and I said, Dad, one day I want to drive a Monster truck. And here we are decades later, and it was literally the childish dream that I had just never grew out of. Now, did your, did your father encourage you, or did he try to talk you out of it? No, absolutely. My parents were always very supportive, and I had some really stupid ideas. And uh, <laughs> they always said, yeah, go for it. And then, you know, I was a good student, and um, scholastically, I, I did very well. And I, I didn't, you know, necessarily try at it, but um, well, can, can I, I, I was gifted. Can I ask you about the story you told me about, like, when you did your... Um uh, whatever they call the career, yeah. what you're, what you're designed to be the little test. They do the <laughs> aptitude test or whatever it is in school. Tell me about that story. Cause I remember okay. you telling me that and I thought that was awesome. Well, let, yeah, let's use that story to uh, answer your question, Mike. So as a kid, I, I saw the trucks wanted to be a part of that and wanted to grow up to be a monster truck driver. At that point, that wasn't really a job. It was just these guys that would come into town and drive these big trucks and crush cars and buses. And, you know, I was a seven year old kid. So yeah. my dad's like, yeah, sure, bud, whatever you want. Uh, but they were supportive. And uh, as I went through school, you know, I did well academically. And uh, I just always had that kind of in the in the back corner. It was always on my mind. And um, I also wanted to be a stuntman. And we'll get back right. to that. Um, so my parents did not by any means deny me the opportunities of that. They encouraged it and said, yeah, if that's what you want to do, you know, you got to research it. And, and uh, So were you doing things like jumping off the roof of the house? <laughs> Possibly. Okay. Uh, recently or back well, then? back then when you're, yeah, when you're yeah, getting back yourself. then too. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So anyways, uh, the, the story that Mark's referring to, um, I was in, I believe it was 10th or 11th grade, just 
literally two blocks from here at Mount Bushier High School. You did date my sister, so I do remember. <sighs> I, I, was that dating? I don't know. So please don't here. please don't be descript. <laughs> I think <laughs> so, going, yeah, we are we are G rated. Going into uh, yeah, what is our audience anyways? We don't know yet. Okay. <laughs> that's that's really what whoever you're listens cabin, it's up to whoever you, listens to this. That's the deal, bro. Perfect. Is your sister going to listen? Yes. <laughs> All right. So, we'll leave that story aside. Um so I'm at Bushery uh, 11th grade and it was career and personal planning class. So CAP, the CAP program, it. yeah, I remember that exactly. And uh, so the the assignment was, what are you going to be when you grow up? Yeah, pretty standard question in eleventh grade. You know, you're going to get kicked out in another year. You got to join the workforce, do something. And so everybody does their research, and they want to be a doctor, a lawyer, a cop, whatever. And uh, yeah, you got to hand in this paper, and this is what I want to be. This is what I'm going to make. This is the schooling I need to take. Everything else, you got your your career path mapped out, you're good to go. So I handed in my paper and the teacher looks at it and my first choice was a stuntman. And I had done the research. I bought books. I, I researched it. I, I traveled around trying to talk to stunt people, this and that. And he looked at it and he said, that's not a real job. And he handed it back to me. Had he never seen the fall guy with Lee Majors? Apparently not. <laughs> no, this guy was a piece of work. Uh <laughs> I don't think he watched TV. He was a nerd. Shiskin, you remember him? Yes, I can do. Can we say that? Yeah. Yes, we oh, can. <laughs> Shiskin, we hope you're listening. Yeah. You know? You just, wait, wait. Yeah. He could be teaching my 16-year-old, so we <laughs> got it. No, I think he's long gone by no, now. he is. Un- unlike Mr. Fowler, who will live forever. Um, so my career and personal planning teacher, he said, he handed it back to me and said, this is no good. Redo it. So I did. And I went back to the drawing board and came back and handed it in. I'm going to be a monster truck driver. And he looked at me and shook his head and put a big X through my no. paper and said, you failed. I failed that paper. Literally. I still have it. That is and, awesome. And that was it. <laughs> That's now, awesome. did you that was run, it for him. Did you ever run into Shishkin? I after? sure did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did you kind of, you know, take I, the high road? again, I did take the high road. Um, I, I didn't want to be uh, showy about it. And it was probably 10 years post that failed assignment. And I had already been on the road. I had been doing stunt work with Nitro Circus for a few years. And I had just got my in to drive a monster truck for the first time. And I was on top of the world. Loving yeah. it. And ran into him at the gas station. You know, another... In your monster truck? <laughs> no. No, I wasn't in the truck at the time. And uh, he just, you know, we hadn't seen each other for almost a decade. And he said, hey, how's it going? Small talk and uh, shooting the shit. And he said, what are you doing now? And I said, huh, funny you should ask. Uh, just I've been, been waiting for this moment my entire life to tell you exactly what I'm doing yeah. right now. I, no, I, I kept it pretty quiet. And I, I just said, well, I've been doing some stunt work. And uh, I just started driving a monster truck. What and, was his face? And there was... Uh, it, <laughs> right? That's how it worked. Nice job. So it was, it was just silence. And he, he looked at me like I was bullshitting him. Like when I handed the assignment in, he thought I was, you know, just making a joke of it. And, uh, and he said, Oh really? And I said, yeah. And I just kind of grinned and he turned around and hightailed it and I never saw him again. Wow. And you could tell that he got it and it clicked and he was like, wow. So the point of the story is, but did he, but Cam, did he come back to you and say, you know what? I wanted to be a monster truck driver too. 
No, not a chance. Oh, okay. No, he was out of there. That would have been better. <laughs> it would have been. And I, I didn't have the strength to live my own dream, therefore I didn't want you to have one. I was so jealous of you. Yeah. Do you but know that? that all, all jokes aside, that was now my new mission. So going into driving monster trucks for a living, we have this platform where we talk to people all over the world of all different ages. And that was always my go-to. And I'd have kids come up to me, seven, eight-year-old kids saying, hey, I want to drive a monster truck. How do I do that? And I would just say, look, you know, it's not easy. It's going to take a lot of work, but it doesn't matter what you want to do. You want to drive a monster truck. You want to be a police officer. You want to be a doctor. You want to be a rocket scientist. You follow your dreams. Don't let anybody tell you can't do that. Because if they say you can't, they're worthless. Whether it's your parent, your coach, your teacher, beat it. If I want to do this, I can do it. So follow your dreams. And from that point forward, that was my go-to. That was my mission statement. And I've been fortunate enough to, to be able to live that dream and pass that on to other people. Buddy, that's wicked. You do have an iconic story. You really do. Like you, you are pretty much the, you know, that situation. <laughs> yeah, don't put the crickets chirping on again, please. Um, oh, he's, to be, he's crying. Yeah. He's, he's all broken up. But seriously, but I know I love it. And I think that's, it's really cool. It's really cool that you have that story and you do. It is, it, you, you can use that as a springboard for kids because you are, it's like monster truck driver. It's like, okay, if you're going to put a list of things that you want to be, yeah, you can be anything, but there are only a few monster truck drivers, <laughs> correct? Very few. And very, in the world, it's a very small, probably small a few hundred of us. Is yeah, it right? is it a North American thing or is it uh is it in Europe? Is it other it, places? It is worldwide as far as Do they um, drive Lada? Do they drive Lada? Yeah, yeah. Like Lada monster trucks yes, and a check? Lada mo- monster trucks. Monster Lada. Is that where they came from? Monster Lada? Lada monster? Lada monster. I would well, I, I would I yeah. would drive a monster Lada. I would. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who yeah. wouldn't? Who yeah, wouldn't? it's just gonna roll over all the time though. What would you it be know, called? Your your wheelbase is oh, gonna like be the name for the truck? It would have to be like I mean, it'd have to be like Russian, right? So I have to be like Boris or <laughs> Is that is that what Lotta Lotta was Russian, not Czech? I thought it was Czech. Oh, it could be Czech. Big, big Borsh. Big Borsh. Oh yeah. Big yeah. Okay. This is why so, there's no there's no lot of Because they can't truck. come up with names. You can't come up with like, names. Like, like, like the Northern <laughs> no, Nightmare. I know. Northern, oh, so, <laughs> so Cam I was gonna say you you talk about one of the things that you're finding so uh, rewarding about this career that you, that you've forged for yourself is the opportunity to talk to people and demonstrate that anything is possible. Did you have that type of mentor, that type of positive influence when you set out on this path? Um, you know, I, I couldn't really pinpoint one specific person, but I did have a lot of role models. Uh, my parents were always very supportive and my dad, you know, he was a realtor. He was, he was a businessman. So, but he still had this, this other side motorsports, you know, just kind of a gearhead. Um, and that started early. My older brother taught me how to drive long before I should have had a license out in the bush. And so again, that was genetics, I think. Um, and yeah, just had a few role models throughout the years. Uh, but it always came back to the adrenaline, the rush of going fast or jumping high, whether it was dirt bikes or quads or tough trucks or monster trucks. So I guess that part of it was self-driven and, uh, yeah, meeting a lot of good people. I was super fortunate to have some opportunities, uh, to travel at a younger age, you know, shortly after high school, my parents wanted me to go to university and, and just be super smart because I was at the time, (laughs) 
I've gotten dumber over the years. Well, but... it's probably all the fumes <laughs> and the noise, right? <laughs> yeah, but they, you know, they wanted me to follow something like that. And I think my mom wanted me to be a rocket scientist and I just wasn't into it. I went to school for a couple of years after post-secondary and um, it just wasn't for me. There wasn't enough hands-on. There wasn't enough adrenaline. And then I was able to travel a little bit and I met some good people and through some contacts, um, actually a friend that I grew up with here, Andy Bell, introduced me to a bunch of really good people and that kind of started the snowball getting into the stunt work and the monster trucks and everything else. So which came first stunt work or or driving uh, stunt work. And when I say stunt work, I was the test dummy. So basically I, I made, sorry, say that again, at least one more time. You were the what? I was the test dummy. You're going to make a sound clip out of that. (laughs) So if there was, if there was a stunt or whatever it was, um, that needed to be tested that wasn't necessarily safe. I just imagine you flipping around in like <laughs> random situations and breaking a lot of bones. Yeah. Dummy. And you know what? The, uh... Knock on wood, the, the bones held together pretty good. Okay. And now in my older age, I think about it a lot more and I think about all the stuff I did and I'm like, how did I get away with that? But now you're in a position where you can have uh, that, that test dummy yourself? Yes, yeah. absolutely. I have two boys, uh, six and nine. <laughs> They'll test dummy all over you. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, do you, uh, is there anything that you would be scared to drive? Uh, a minivan? Ah, I like it. <laughs> Too many seats. That's, that's pretty much it. So many seats. How do you manage all those seats? I have it's... vowed to my dying day that I would never drive a minivan, so... Man, there's going to be so many different types of candy and popcorn in between those seat cushions. Oh, you can't Are you get it. Me? That's yeah, you can't get it out. You can't no. do that. <laughs> it's um, kind of like the carpet here. Some things you can't get out. Man, it's all down. No, it just keeps going down. Like you can't, it is. It's like, it's, it's, uh, it's a time capsule. Yeah. This carpet is a time capsule. I can't imagine what we could find at the bottom of that carpet. It's going to be great <laughs> when we do though. It's going to be great. <laughs> Remind me to phone in sick today. We excavate the carpet. <laughs> Uh, man, Cam, honestly, that it's so amazing. Like just your story is great. And I think that even just, so, you know, going back to the whole theme, right. You know, safety dads, you're, you're, you're our first guest. Love having you on. Um, let's talk about the safety aspect of what you do a little bit. I mean, you know, you, you obviously it's a very, I mean, you know, Mike and I, we, we've, we've YouTubed your, you know, all the stunts you've done and, you know, you're doing some pretty crazy shit like you're 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 out there it's it's very extreme you call it you would call it an extreme sport right agreed i mean nitro circus the whole deal like these are these are people that are doing some pretty extreme things so for you like as as a dad as well as somebody that you do right because you know you 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 go through life and you you know you're obviously as a young lad right when you were when you dated my sister (laughs) <laughs> and then you, and then you moved on to something where you're an adult and then you're making a career out of something that's extreme. And now you have kids. What, uh, what's when, when you're doing something, you know, is dangerous. Are they putting some pretty good safety measures in regards to the truck? Like to, like to make you feel safe? Like what, what's the, what's the angle? Oh, on that? Absolutely. I mean, uh, what we do is dangerous when you look from the outside and from the inside as well. And, you know, I, I get asked a lot for media and, and doing interviews with the radio stations and news and all that before the shows. And uh, they say, oh, is this dangerous? And I say, well, you know what? <clears throat> if you could imagine getting in a really bad car accident, you're like, yeah. I said, okay, just do that two or three times a weekend. And that's similar to what we do. 
So you have your seatbelt on, you got your airbags, whatever you want. And our trucks are very safe. Like they're built to the utmost safety measures that we can do. And they're always improving. So would you say the planning is for the accident? Is the planning for the accident? Because you know it's going to happen. Oh yeah, it's happening. That's the deal. Every time. Okay. And you know, as much as we don't want to crash, but it's, it's part of the deal. Do you check um, your mirrors? Like, do you have mirrors on oh, the trucks? Do you check your mirrors? Like, cause that's a big thing. I'm telling my daughter, my daughter's 16 right now. I'm telling her to check her mirrors. Yeah. You gotta well, do that in the monster truck, right? You keep telling her that, but if she's going to get in a monster truck, basically I, I explain it like this. If you were to put on a helmet and you know, let's say a ski helmet or a, a motorcycle helmet and duct tape it to your headrest on your car and then put a pair of binoculars in front of your eyes and duct tape those to your helmet. That's basically what we have to see through and our mobility. So we can see directly in front of us, about 20 feet out in front of the truck. That's it. No peripheral. You know, you can't move your head a lot because we have the safety restraints. We have a neck device that attaches to the helmet and the seat belts. So we're, we're locked in there. Basically, this is what I see. And I can look with my eyeballs. That's it. I can't move my head. Can't move my neck. I can move my arms, my legs. That's it. So then I have to ask you, because one of the clips that we did look at was, I believe it was from Vegas in 2016. And you were the first person to attempt the reverse flip, right? The backwards flip. And in this particular clip, you didn't make it. You, you had a you had a blow it on a tire, and you said after that the traction didn't. You just didn't have the traction when you hit the ramp, and you basically went up but backwards. The nose of the truck was facing the ground. You remember this crash I'm taking? I do. Yeah, I do vividly. And yeah. <laughs> and it's amazing with all the safety gear because you hit, you roll truck's on fire and you were out in five seconds maybe was it that long it felt like a lot longer i bet and you know replaying that crash um i do remember it vividly um and it was something again that i wanted to try for the first time hadn't seen it done and a lot of things went wrong but i was committed to it so at that point when you're upside down in the air going backwards and i was just staring at the ground waiting for the impact um there's nothing you can do right so I hung onto the steering wheel, landed on the cage, which is about the hardest landing you can have. There's no suspension. So you're falling out of the sky from 20 feet, whatever, onto a steel cage. And uh, <clears throat> from that point, um, I just knew that I needed to get out. And as soon as I hit the ground, there was an initial fire that started from the fuel cell. And as that fire got bigger, the transmission erupted and started a second fire. So there's kind of two different explosions you could see. Um, I was still strapped in and I had communication. So we have, um, basically earbuds in so we can talk to our crew chief and, uh, my crew chief at the time, Fry Daddy, his name's, sorry, well, say we, that again. Fry Daddy. <laughs> his name is Fry Daddy. He has can a real explain, name. But can we, you explain <laughs> that though, please? I know, I know. I don't want to take away from the drama of the situation, but Fry Daddy is your so Chris Fryman, uh, one of the best techs in the business and, uh, love the guy. He was, he was my brother for many years, keeping me safe in that truck, keeping the truck, doing what it needed to do. And uh, my big brother basically on the road with him every weekend. <clears throat> and uh, so Fry Daddy, as we called him, and he got on the radio. And whenever we were like in an event during a freestyle, especially in Vegas, that's a big deal, right? It's a big show. Um, we just had this unwritten rule. Don't talk to me unless something's wrong. And so at the start of my run, light went green. He said, go get him. That's it. I wouldn't hear from him. Unless, let's say, a tire blew or something was wrong with the truck, he would tell me, that's it. Or he would tell me when there was 30 seconds left in, in uh, freestyle time so I could go for the big stunt at the end, whatever it was. Uh, other than that, he was quiet. So <clears throat> I do this reverser, go up, 
truck doesn't rotate. I'm in the air, 20 feet up, looking at the ground, waiting to hit. And as I started coming down, I hit the ground, explosion, transmission blows up, fire. Fuel cell starts leaking, more fire. And for the fans, everyone watching, it was a bomb. Thank God my wife was not there that year. Um, she had taken our, our young, well, at that time, our six-month-old son. Which could be, a, that's got to be a constant. <clears throat> Your wife's got to be worried. Like, it, it is, it's a dangerous sport. I mean. Yeah, inherently it is. And my but wife this was, was a bad, this was a bad, you would consider this, this was a bad, a one. bad one. Yeah, this was right? a bad one to yeah. where the other drivers who <clears throat> yeah. had already competed and were sitting in the stands, they were scared shitless. So here's me in the truck. I hit the ground, thud, it hurts. I'm hanging upside down. So this is another thing. Even if you're not on fire, you're upside down in a truck. You got seven different seat belts that hold you into the seat. You got your neck restraint. You got a helmet on. You got a fire suit on. You got gloves on. It's steamy and hot in there and your screen's fogged can I, up. Can I ask you something? When you were restrained and you knew that you were in danger, is the is the immediate reaction to feel like, I got to get the fuck out of here? Or are you just relying on everybody coming to the truck to, to rescue you. Like in that moment where you're sitting there and you're like, man, everything's on fire. I want to get out of here, but you're restrained. You're, yeah. you're in a bunch of restraints. Like what was, what was your feeling at that so, moment? Yeah. It's a very weird feeling. And I guess for me, it's different than maybe some of the other drivers. So first off, I rely a hundred percent on the tech staff and you could see them in that video within seconds they, you know, they're flying in from every angle and this truck's literally, it's like a fireman going into a fire. And fortunately for me, I had firefighting background. So and this is a backstory, but the of day of course that, you did because you're Cam McQueen. The, the day that I chose to go on the road and chase this dream, uh, the same day I was applying for fire school to be a firefighter. I had volunteered here on the west side for a few years, and that was my career path. And then I got this phone call from Andy Bell, and he said, "Hey, I got a job down here," and that eventually turned into this. So, anyways, on the backstory, I was totally comfortable with fire. You know, I could walk into a burning building, obviously with gear on and a hose, and yeah, let's fight this thing. So anytime I had a fire in the truck, which happened more than once, um, I was I I was calm, and I knew that was the key. Anytime something like that happens, whether it's a car accident or a fire or water, you know any of those circumstances, uh, the calmer you can be, the better you're going to be off in the end. So I'm upside down. I just smashed my head on the cage, you know, from 20 feet in the sky, and now I'm on fire. And I thought, okay, I got to stay calm. I got to get out of here. Because those seat belts and everything I talked about, air hose, communications, cables everywhere. And you're in this tiny little capsule, let's call it a cocoon for that matter, of steel roll cage and everything else. You're upside down. You're a little disoriented. You just hit your head and now you're on fire. And at I, this point, are you thinking about Mr. Shiskin and thinking, man, maybe I made the wrong, <laughs> maybe I made the wrong decision. Right. Maybe it. I made the wrong decision with this monster I hope truck. he never sees this. Shiskin <laughs> just comes into your brain. You're like, oh my God, Shiskin. Yeah, that was the last thing on my mind. <laughs> so in trying to stay calm, um, I took my time. And I think that's what caused a lot of the alarm with the other drivers and people watching because they were watching this fireball. And again, the trucks are so safe. Um, I'm not saying we can't get hurt, but the, the precautions that they take for uh, fire and for impact and damage and everything else. Um, so we actually have an onboard fire extinguisher that's plumbed all through the roll cage. And all I have to do is pull a pin, which I can't see because I'm strapped in. But if I pull this pin, it would be like a fire suppression in a building and it would spray chemicals all over and put the fire out. I was just about to reach for that. And my crew chief, Fry Daddy, he got on the radio and he said, get the fuck out of there. 
And that's the first time I had ever heard him raise his voice or get on my radio during a run. Now, and that's when I realized this is bad. I need to get out of here. I was going to say, were you considering at that point staying? Well, you know, it was, it was just the right temperature for s'mores. Right. So I had my s'more <laughs> kit in, in my backpack. When you're in that situation, again, it, we're very safe. But when you see the glow of yeah. orange in your peripheral, even though I couldn't move my head, um, I could feel the heat and I could see the glow. And I'm like, okay, I'm on fire, but I want to get out of here. And if I, as soon as I undo my seatbelt, I'm hanging upside down. And the roof is about eight inches from my head. So as soon as I click that buckle, I'm going to basically turn into a pile of mush on the roof, which is now on the floor. Yeah. And then try and get all this crap off of me so I can get out. And the only way out of the truck is a hole that's normally down below my left leg. Right. Which now is above me on my right side. So I got to think, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to hit my head. I'm going to unbuckle all this crap, get everything out of the way, and then try and climb out that little hole that's the size of a pizza box. So lo and behold, after Friday, Eddie gets on the radio and I realized this was serious, the fans and, and the rest of the drivers are watching this huge fireball. And uh, I see this hand reach in the cab and I was just trying to scurry my way out. And it was Fry Daddy to the rescue and he grabbed my arm and he's a big dude. And he yanked me out of that thing and I pretty much catapulted onto the other side and got yeah. out and waved and everyone yeah. cheered. And, and then I took like three days to actually realize what process. happens well, and then and i watched I was, the video and that's when i was like oh shit, yeah because i wanted bad. to i wanted to ask you about that as well because in the video you were interviewed h- how many minutes after that and, yeah, four and or five you, minutes yeah and you were so calm and had it had it just not hit you at that point really i i think that was part of it um again i even when it happened i was i was calm because i knew it was fire and i knew it was danger but i also knew all the techs and my crew guys were there ready for anything and they had fire extinguishers i mean the safety is so far above anything else we do in our sport yeah um they're there and i knew that so it was kind of that saving grace that i knew yeah i'm in a bad spot but someone's gonna help me here but dude i mean i'm thinking you know like i totally get it like can you imagine if your mic communication went out because you've got your you've got your it's like your pit crew right Mm -hmm. your pit crew i never thought about that actually and Thanks you just well, like, put in that dark. <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's like, not. Well, well, I mean, dude, uh, that must be it. But I'm like, that's the thing. We'll I'm just like, hit rewind to go back 10 seconds. The, no, uh, no, this makes, honestly, man, I'm getting nervous. I'm going to no. have nightmares tonight. Yeah, I nightmares about safety dads. <laughs> not, 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 you know, put some, no. The, is it, you, you talk about the safety of the truck and the construction and the roll cage. Is it, is this sort of like building a house and there's minimum safety codes that have to be followed or, or does everybody go far above what a minimum standard oh, way would be. way far yeah. above yeah there is a guideline there's a rule book everything else uh but at the end of the day it's about our safety and the fan safety yeah. and everybody around us so yeah. motorsports are inherently dangerous it doesn't matter what you're doing sure if you looked at any single motorsport in the world and i don't care you name it like mud drags motocross uh smash you know, up derby stunt helicopter flying whatever you want to make up i guarantee you what we do in Monster Jam is so much safer than any of those because of the protocols that we follow. And it's always escalating and it's next level. It's like, uh, we don't care how powerful the truck is. Where's the safety at? And yeah, that's the, always foremost. The guys that are doing the pyrotechnics are usually probably the guys that are fucking it up. Yeah, They're usually exactly. the ones that are like, man, <laughs> yeah, you can't launch. Which fuse uh, do I light again? You can't launch fireworks <laughs> into the crowd, bro. It's like, what? I just wanted to have like this kind of display. No, man, you can't do that. Um, now, what, what, 
I'm started that whole thing with the you know we were talking about the safety and and, and that 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 scary accident or incident. But I mean, what possessed you to decide that you could make that truck flip upside down and backwards? <laughs> Innovation, I guess. Um, you know, it's so a, do you guys sit around talking about it? Because obviously, you're you're going for points, right? At yep. that point, you're you're trying to to score well, and you're being judged. So, did the drivers sit around and say, "Man, oh, and wouldn't it be cool?" And do you have a technical team that you discuss this, or is this Cam's brain working, or do you have people that you bounce off of that you're gonna you're gonna do these these tricks? Like, do I have how to do you answer have- these in order? <laughs> he Sam, didn't ask him an order. This so. is the first podcast ever. You could literally go get a sandwich, come back, and then think about it and Mike, figure out how you want to answer this. <laughs> so, for starters, um, you know the, the ideas that come into my head, I can't, I can't help that they just happen. Sure, uh, but yeah, I mean, growing up racing dirt bikes and doing work with the Nitro Circus, it was always a little bit off kilter. It's like, can we do this? Probably not, but let's try it. Um, so that was the mentality. And to be honest with you, the first backflip I ever did, which was the first recorded in a scored competition of monster trucks uh, in 2010, so just over a decade ago, um, that was sketched up on a napkin driving through Germany on a train. <laughs> That's exactly and I'm not the even kidding that you. I wanted. And I was there with one of the, the head track builders, and we were on this train for like two days. And, you know, there may have been some adult beverages involved. And, yeah, we can do this, we sure. And he's like, well, I can build the jump. And I said, well... You know, I can get in the truck and, and pin it and probably pull it off. He's like, okay. So. Well, did you have little, like, <laughs> you know, match matchbox cars that no, you tried heck, out? No. And then, no. Child's play. <laughs> oh, no, we just had a napkin, <laughs> an empty beer box, and we started drawing. It's a napkin, stupid. <laughs> you know what a napkin is. <laughs> but that was where that plan came from. And again, you know, there was stuff in my head working with Nitro Circus and Travis Pastrana that was. I mean, anything that he owned or we even touched had to be backflipped. It didn't matter if it was a tricycle or a lawn tractor or that, that you know, was somebody's rule? horse. That was, yeah, it's just how it was. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you go back to the roots of Nitro Circus, and that's when freestyle motocross was just starting to gain momentum. Right. And Travis was the forerunner of the whole sport. Yeah, and that's pretty sweet. So I want to I want to ask you something, Cam. Like with all the there's a lot of extreme shit that's happening right now. Like, I mean, I've been watching, you know, like even snowmobiles, people are doing stuff with snowmobiles. I'm like, man, I have a tough time walking on ice and people are flipping snow snowmobiles. Get out backwards. of your bubble. I can't. Was well, Delaney doing Dude, this, this stuff? Is my, the dad's bar is the bubble. This is all I can do. <laughs> is this Delaney is doing the stuff on her scooter? I want to sit in this bar and understand the world from this bar. And that's what's going to happen. You're doing yeah. it the right way. Yeah, yeah, see, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to make sure that my 16-year-old, she just got her motorcycle license. She's got a 800cc Suzuki. Nice. So she's, I can't let her listen to this podcast. <laughs> yes, you can. Because she's going to be backflipping. Yes, yeah, hey, are you going to be shisking? No, no, you I, gonna be, no. Don't be shisking. I, I, oh, she can we're listen. Gonna put, we're going to put that motto on the wall, don't be shisking. Yes, that is. You're so, right. You're right. Thank so, you, Cam. Uh, Cam, so this... That's great, but it's a good lead because I think that's the thing, like influence, right? Because you're influenced and you're you're around a lot of people that probably do a lot of extreme shit. Correct. Right? So now you're in a different you're in a different bubble. You're in a bubble of people that do extreme shit. So how do you how do you navigate that? Like how do you deal with that when you're like, Oh, I could do this better? I, I think my satisfaction as far as monster trucks go and stunts and extreme sports. That sort of thing. It was always doing it was the satisfaction. Not saying I'm going to do it or claiming it or 
you know, boasting about, yeah, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. Cause I never did that. Any of, any of the notable stunts that I did, whether it was nitro circus, um, with the bus jump and, uh, monster trucks with the backflip and the corkscrew and that sort of thing. I never publicized it. I never got showy about it. I just did it. And I, I think that was probably half of the equation was not telling people, Hey, I'm going to go try this. Now, like, is that because it's a race to see who can do the craziest thing <laughs> yeah. or because you didn't want people like, what was, what was the look on the first person's face that you showed them that napkin and said, I'm going to do this. Well, that's, that's a long story in itself because, uh, so the napkin that was written on it when we were in Europe, um, in 2008 or nine prior to the first backflip, it's funny because there was another napkin that was signed by a friend of mine. He was our director of photography for Nitro Circus, Donnie Anderson. And we were sitting around having drinks one night. And I, at the time I was driving the Nitro Circus. Actually, I was driving Pastrana 199, first truck I ever drove. So that was Travis's truck. And, um, I drove that for two years and Donnie, we were sitting around in Vegas. It was after world world finals. And this was two years prior to my first backflip and competition. And, uh, he said, you got to backflip that thing. Cause we were doing all the nitro circus stuff. And I was driving Travis's truck. He's like, you got to backflip that. And I said, I know, I know I do. <laughs> but why did you so, say that? Okay, why so, did you say you got to wait? What he, was the feeling about the backflip? Why is the backflip important? Well, because let's back up. We're going back let's 12, back 13 years now. That was not existent. Yeah. They were just starting to do backflips in freestyle motocross on a 230 pound dirt bike. Let Does that alone depend on the jump though? 10,000 pound truck. Does it depend on the ramp? Like, 100%. Okay. 100%. So that goes back to the train conversation with Carmack and the building of the ramp. But with Donnie, he rode on this napkin and we were at uh, Dick's last resort in Las Vegas. <laughs> Sweet. Beautiful place. Yeah. <laughs> and he there. wrote on the napkin, I, Cam McQueen, will backflip the Pastrana 199 monster truck. Please he made tell me, me you still it. have the napkin. He has the napkin. And Thank I have God. a picture of it. Thank I will God. show you the picture. Thank God. So he hung that that's on his That's going fridge. on. Hey, dude, that's going and on. And you talk about influence. That was... Donnie was my dream weaver because every yeah. time I went to his house, he'd have that napkin on Donnie, the fridge. That's awesome. And the night that it happened, all the Nitro Circus crew, it was in um, Jacksonville, Florida, and the Nitro crew was in Salt Lake, and they were at a basketball game or something. They were all in a suite, and they heard what happened. <clears throat> and Donnie texted me a picture of this napkin, and it says, I, Cam McQueen, will backflip, and he crossed out the 199 and put Nitro Circus monster truck, and there it was. So that's that was that was Did history. It was uh, foreshadowing to an extreme extent, but it did was you cool. know you were going to do it that night or did it just kind of hit you when you were out there? Um, no, that night that was planned in my head. But again, going back to, you know, your, your earlier question, um, I didn't tell anybody, I didn't broadcast it for one, because I would have been shut down. The company would have said, no, you can't do that. It's too dangerous. You're going to wreck the truck, blah, blah, blah. Um, even though they have the mandate that they all have to be flipped. Oh, that was, that this was, is, this yeah. is way back when. Right. So if we go back to that night, February 10th, 2010, um, in Jacksonville, I told at that point in time, my crew chief was a lady, Becky McDonough. And <clears throat> I told her, I said, I, I saw the jump out there. I think it'll work. I'm going to try it. And she was scared shitless because it, it had never been done. It was dangerous. And at she that was mo- worried at that, at that moment though, for you also, Cause you're, what does that, do you have kids at that point? No. So you are, you're still solo cam. Like Cape is on. That's right. Cape is on. Cape is on. Wife's on the other side of the country at that point in time. She was back with the nitro crew in, in Utah, I think. 
Yeah, you're just um, like, bro, I'm doing it. You're like, I'm doing it. So, and but I would just want that moment. I want you to freeze that moment for a second, okay? Right, because this is the like, this is where you're like, I can do this. It's like evil can evil kind of shit. Yeah, right. Snake River. Uh, what's the movie Hot Rod? <laughs> you can either be evil can evil, or you can be Hot Rod. Right. <laughs> so, but that moment, like, that must have been so like, like, just not even. It was a moment, but it was tr- it was transformational for you because it's like this is something I'm going to do that is, it could kill me. Maybe yeah, right? Yeah, is de- that a, I mean, is that a thing? Definitely that that is a thing. It's always a thing, um, and in the sport that we do, it's definitely a thing. If not killed, you know, injured very seriously. But in my head, I had played it through a million times since it was put on the napkin in in uh, Europe, and we had talked about it. I was like, hey, you know what? This is it. Like, if someone's going to do it, I want to be that somebody. You know what's sweet, Cam? Is that me and Mike both wrote our podcast aspirations on a napkin. Beautiful. And then we traded hey, and so, hung them up. Napkins so come true, we honestly. So in common. Napkins well, that's the old expression, is incredible thing. Napkins It's not come a dream true. until you, well, it's, it's only a goal until you write it on a napkin. Exactly. And then, and then it's a dream. You know, it's a dream, ah, however it goes. So the napkin could be a story in itself. And again, there's two napkins. There's one that we drew on... Uh, while we were on the train in Europe. And there's another one that Donnie drew on before we even were on the train in Europe. So the napkin thing is, is huge for me. <laughs> Are there <laughs> the uh, napkin no, story? Is... Are there more napkins but, out there for you? Like, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. But... It's like, Hey folks, uh, if anybody wants to fast forward in the podcast a minute, what are we at? 25, 41. If you want inspiration, it's about napkins. You're going to get it at minute 25. We should have a napkin episode. Absolutely. Bring in your napkins. What's yeah. on your napkin? What's going to be your best hey, napkin? Well, one of, one of the We're things. bucket list. What's on your napkin? Absolutely. Yeah, because one of the things that's going to be uh, a feature moving forward is actually, we haven't come up with a title yet, but it's going to be Mark on the Street, basically, talking to people and getting their stories, right? Yeah. So now maybe that'll be called Napkin Stories. That's a wrap, folks. Thank you for taking the time and strap in and strap on to our first episode of Safety Dads. The episode is brought to you by Dorset Knob Productions. And a big shout out to Cam McQueen for being a guest on our show. Also, a thank you to Mr. Steve Gray who provided the audio editing and sound quality for this podcast. And finally, a big thank you to you, our listeners. For those of you who enjoyed this segment and need more absurd advice, please check out our Instagram page. We would love to hear any comments, feedback, and topics that you guys would like to hear because every face needs a safe space. Take care of yourselves, everyone.